the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Welcome in here on Locked On Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Hit me up on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. Glad everyone is with me. Today we'll be recapping Oklahoma State's win over West Virginia on Saturday, taking a look around the Big 12 and around the country, everything that happened in college football on Saturday, as well as taking a look at Oklahoma State women's soccer and the basketball team as they got it done on Friday night. This is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network in the country. Glad everyone is with me. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. Send me your best bedlam trash talk, whatever you want, at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. We'll be talking a ton of bedlam throughout the week. We'll hear from Mike Gundy tomorrow. We'll actually hear from Mike Gundy on a different topic a little bit later in today's episode. Episode. Uh, so it's going to be a great week here as we preview Bedlam. Oklahoma continues to look beatable. Uh, Oklahoma State, TBD, depending on what Drew Brown can look like and what he can improve on going into Bedlam after Saturday's game against West Virginia. The game against West Virginia actually went, I mean, it went almost exactly the way I thought it was going to. West Virginia loaded it up to stop Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Oklahoma State took a couple of deep shots. They took one on the first play to try to keep West Virginia honest, but most of the rest of it was just struggling to push the ball down the field, struggling to get Chuba in space in the running game, during the receiving game, they were very smart to get the ball in Chuba's hands on some screens. Not something they had done a ton of this season, but Chuba Hubbard was actually Oklahoma State's leading receiver on Saturday. He had seven catches for 88 yards. Dylan Stoner, second leading receiver. He had more catches with eight, but only 62 yards. And then, of course, that short touchdown that he caught as well. So uh, Oklahoma State did a great job getting the ball into Chuba's hands in space. He had 194 all-purpose yards, 26 carries for 106 yards on the ground. So another great day from Chuba Hubbard. And Oklahoma State needed it because they trailed West Virginia 13-10 heading in to the fourth quarter. And at that point, you still feel like Oklahoma State's going to come back and win. It just kind of had that feeling to me. But it was going to take some doing. And it was really a couple of great drives that Drew Brown led in the fourth quarter. He played his best football in the fourth quarter. Early in the game, uh, I really thought that Drew Brown, he he just lacked pocket awareness. Uh, Call it rust, if you will. Call it nerves, if you will. Maybe he just doesn't have that great a pocket presence. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him. But he was leaving clean pockets in the first half and scrambling himself into pressure. Saw it in the third quarter as well. He, scrambling himself right into those outside pass rushers, which then forced him to back up or take a sack or whatever the case may be. And it's like, dude, stay in a clean pocket and deliver the ball down the field. And, and it just wasn't happening. West Virginia was doing a pretty good job on the back end as well. So it, it was a really good game defensively on both sides. Can't really say enough about Oklahoma State's defense and the way that that group has played over the last month. It is the best defense that Oklahoma State has ever played. You, you think I'm exaggerating? Do, do you think I exaggerated just then? Since Oklahoma State has joined the Big 12, Oklahoma State has never, not one single time, held four consecutive Big 12 opponents under 28 points. Hasn't happened. Not in the early 2000s, whenever 
play was a little bit slower. Certainly not recently. Not in the Weed and Blackman era. Never. Not once has Oklahoma State's defense held four straight opponents under 28 points until now. The last four games, Oklahoma State gave up 27 to Iowa State, 27 to TCU, and then 13 apiece the last two weeks to Kansas and West Virginia. Oklahoma State's defense has put this team on its back over the last month, and they have turned into one of the stingiest defenses in the conference. So it's never happened in Big 12 play. The last time it happened, period, was in 1985 in the Big 8. That's the last time that Oklahoma State held four consecutive opponents under 28 points. And on Saturday, you know, against uh, Iowa State and TCU, it was all the flash. It was all the turnovers, big plays, things of that nature. On Saturday, it was just bend but don't break steady defense. Oklahoma State, you know, West Virginia got some big plays throughout the game. Jim Knowles, first off, the blitz that he dialed up on, on the fourth down play at the end of the game was phenomenal. He he threw out the game at times. There was a third and 11. There was a third and eight where Oklahoma State rushed three and dropped eight, dropped into a soft zone, and Daigie picked him apart 30 yards down the field on those deep crosses. And I was getting so tired of watching that. And I'm thinking to myself on that last play, you can not rush three. For all that is good in the world, do not rush three. And he didn't. He went zero blitz. Oklahoma State got there in a hurry and forced Seth Daigie into a bad throw. Now, to get to that point, up seven, late in the game, West Virginia driving, couple minutes left. Uh, West Virginia would have had a chance if they had scored to go for two and take the lead or kick the extra point and send it to overtime. Who knows what they would have elected to do. But uh, Oklahoma State was up by four, and they had a fourth down, and I think it was two or three down around the West Virginia five-yard line, and Oklahoma State elected to kick the field goal in that moment to go up by seven. I saw some people on Twitter upset, criticizing this decision, saying if you go for it, uh, a couple of people, Carson Cunningham, Andrew Gilman, good friends of mine, were both critical, saying you should have gone for it there. You convert, you, you win the game, essentially. I normally would agree. I think this was the exception to the rule because West Virginia's chances of scoring a touchdown on the next drive were so low. What did I tell you all last week? I said West Virginia is a garbage team in the red zone. If West Virginia gets in the red zone, they're just hoping to score, and if they score a touchdown, it's a bonus. You know how many touchdowns West Virginia scored in the red zone on Saturday against Oklahoma State? Big, fat zero. When they got into the red zone, they either stalled out on downs or they kicked field goals. The one touchdown they had was a 34-yard pass on what was an absolute dime from Jarrett Daigie. I still can't wrap my mind around why Austin Kendall was ever the starter at West Virginia, other than that his name's Austin Kendall and he transferred in from Oklahoma, but that's beside the point. I think you kick the field goal in that moment, you go up by seven, gives you that safety net, forces West Virginia to go down, and if they want to beat you, they have to score in the red zone twice now, assuming you don't give up a big play, uh, which they have not hardly been able to do. West Virginia, 51% on the season, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That was last week. That number will have dropped since then, since they were so porous on Saturday in the red zone against Oklahoma State. Not only that, Oklahoma State, it's, it's not like, yeah, Gundy punted on fourth and one from – 
you know, their own 40-yard line one time. I thought maybe he could have gone for it. He did some things like that. But Oklahoma State did go for it on the first drive of the game on fourth down and goal. Didn't elect to kick the field goal. And they got it on a great play-action fake to Jelani Woods. So now you've already run your goal line fourth and goal play. Do you go back to the play-action? Do you just give it to Chuba in hopes that he can get in hopes that he can get three yards? I think the fact that you'd already gone for it from that spot on the field makes it that much more difficult to pick it up again. Also, it's not like Oklahoma State's offense is a juggernaut in goal-to-go situations. So I think the chances of you picking that up are, are not as great as the chances that your defense can keep West Virginia from both scoring and getting a two-point conversion. And if they tie you up, you probably feel good about your chances in overtime. So I had no problem there with the decision to kick the field goal. Now, if it would have been a field goal to put Oklahoma State up by six, if they were up by three and they would have elected to kick the field goal, I would have lost my mind. My head would have exploded. Because if you ever kick a field goal late in the fourth quarter to go up by six, then you're a chump and you're asking to get beat. But to go up by seven, seven's a pretty comfortable number. And considering how bad West Virginia has been all season and on Saturday specifically at getting into the end zone, I thought it was the right call. A lot more to break down from that game. We'll talk about more. We'll talk more about Drew Brown after the after the break. Uh, boy, and we'll also hear from Mike Gundy on his decision to remain in Stillwater uh, or in Oklahoma on Friday night to watch his son Gunnar Gundy take down Choctaw in the state semifinals. Before I get out of here, let's remind everybody about Roman. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. If you can't visit Roman, and right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, glad everyone is with me. Don't move a muscle. Talking Drew Brown and taking a listen to Mike Gundy after the break here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked on Pokes. Glad everyone is with me today. Hit me up on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Let me know your thoughts on Saturday's game, the decision to kick the field goal late. Did you agree, disagree? Uh, Also, your thoughts on Chuba Hubbard's day, the Oklahoma State defense, as Oklahoma State continues to roll. Uh, We've got quite a bit of momentum right now heading into the game against Oklahoma on Saturday. Oklahoma has now opened as a 12.5-point favorite in that game is the line that I'm showing right now. Feels like a a pretty decent number. Uh, Oklahoma State winners of four in a row. Of course, Iowa State, TCU, Kansas, and West Virginia. They were one and. One and three in the previous four to open conference play. Now they sit at five and three in conference play. Oklahoma, on the other hand, uh, has barely survived. They've won its last three games, but they've barely survived beating Iowa State by a point, Baylor by a field goal, and TCU 28-24 to on Saturday. So the real question is for Oklahoma State, can Drew Brown do enough to beat Oklahoma? Drew Brown on Saturday I thought was fine. I think fine is is the word that you would use to describe Drew Brown. Drew Brown, I think, is a a solid backup quarterback. Um, it, it seems like, based on uh, his pocket presence, based on Oklahoma State's inability to push the ball down the field, seems like there probably was a 
reason that he was the starter at Hawaii and could not win the job at Oklahoma State. There's just a difference between group of five and power five football. Uh, and, and Drew Brown, while I think he's, he's a perfectly um, – you, you know, serviceable quarterback at Oklahoma State, he is not as good as Spencer Sanders. It's pretty obvious why Spencer Sanders won the job. That being said, one thing Drew Brown did a really good job of on Saturday, took care of the football, didn't didn't put it in harm's way, made good decisions, uh, you, you know, never tried to force something that wasn't there. There were probably times where there was something there, and he, he didn't get to it because he didn't want to make the big mistake. And against West Virginia, I think that's fine because against West Virginia, all you need is to not make the big mistake because if you don't turn the ball over, you're probably going to be enough, be able to do enough throughout the course of the game to outscore West Virginia and beat the Mountaineers. Against Oklahoma, I don't think that's the case. You, you know, Oklahoma's barely winning, but Oklahoma can still score some points. They only put up 28 on TCU, but that was the exception, not the rule. They put up 41 in the loss to Kansas State, 42 against Iowa State, 34 against Baylor. This is a team that can really score. I would fully expect Oklahoma State's streak of holding opponents to under 28 points to come to an end on Saturday against Oklahoma. So if Oklahoma State wants to beat OU, Oklahoma State's probably going to have to score – 35, 38, 42, 45, just depending on how hot Oklahoma gets offensively, how much of an impact Oklahoma State's going to be able to have forcing them to commit turnovers. Um, You know, can Drew Brown score 42 points in a Bedlam game on a national stage at 7 o'clock in Boone Pickens Stadium under the lights? The, The answer to that question is I don't know, you don't know, none of us know. I would guess that he probably won't. You know, I've been, prior to Spencer Sanders' injury, I was working myself up to picking Oklahoma State to win Bedlam. OU looks beatable. They are just, just surviving. I mean, they're making so many mistakes the last month, and they're just barely surviving these games against inferior opponents as, uh, you you know, double-digit favorites in all of these games, 18-point favorites against TCU on Saturday, and they barely barely squeak it out after taking a quick 21-0 lead. I I just think that they're very beatable. I just don't know if Drew Brown has enough to get it done. I, I think he's a good quarterback to come in, win you some games, beat some teams you're supposed to beat, but I don't know that he gives Oklahoma State's offense that extra pop that it's going to need to beat Oklahoma. And one thing that was really apparent on Saturday against West Virginia was just how many running lanes are opened for Chuba Hubbard by the rushing ability of Spencer Sanders. Without the threat of a QB run game, it's not holding those guys on the edge. It's not holding those linebackers. They're not having to remain honest every time the ball is given to Chuba Hubbard. Everyone just collapsed on him. Chuba was really unable to get any kind of a big run on Saturday against West Virginia because they just kind of had him bottled up. He got to 100 yards, but that was on volume. He had 26 carries for 106 yards. His longest run of the day was 13 yards. So, you know, Chuba, while he was very effective in the receiving game, 194 all-purpose yards, 
It certainly wasn't his best game on the ground because West Virginia really focused on him and bottled him up. So hopefully Oklahoma State is able to get the ball into his hands in space again against Oklahoma on Saturday. Uh, again, I think Drew Brown is fine. I don't think Drew Brown's going to go out and make a bunch of big mistakes that are going to lose you a game. But I do have to question whether he gives Oklahoma State's offense the pop that it's going to need to score with Oklahoma on Saturday. Uh, we'll break down that game all week. We'll listen to Mike Gundy tomorrow. We'll talk numbers on uh, on Wednesday. Score predictions late in the week. Appreciate everyone who sent those in last week. I was actually pretty close. Game went about how I thought it would. Touchdowns were at a premium. Pretty low scoring. I had it 23-16 to 16 was my score prediction. Ended up 20-13, to 13, so I was off by a field goal on each side, but the game played out about how I thought it would. Uh, another thing that I thought would happen, I thought Mike Gundy would stick around to watch Gunnar Gundy on Friday night in the state semi finals, which was absolutely the right call, 100%, no doubt about it. Um, now, Mike Gundy was asked about it uh, and asked about uh, sticking around and not being with the team on Friday night, and I thought he had a really great, really insightful answer. Here's what Mike Gundy had to say when asked about sticking around to watch his son play in the state semifinals Friday night. Well, it's you know those are special times for for me. You know, the, uh, I I don't have hobbies. These guys that follow me around, this is my life, and my kids are my life. That's all I do. And uh, so, um, I've missed a lot of his games. He's been playing for four years, but he's a senior and he's a state semifinals. It's just not something I could pass up on. And, and the truth of the matter is this: if it was something that was really important, I would tell you guys. We did all of our work yesterday. We have all of our meetings, special teams meetings, practice, position meetings, run-throughs, walk-throughs. I meet with them, talk to them. They grab a sandwich and get on a plane. They land here. They put their stuff in their room. They eat dinner, and then we don't see them till this morning. They don't even know. I bet half the guys didn't even know I wasn't there, truthfully. And, and if they can't take care of themselves for about seven or eight hours, we've got serious issues. Plus, Coach Dunn's here. I mean, he's, he's uh, second in charge. He took over and probably did a better job than I did. But uh, the here's the interesting thing. I bet if you polled them, I bet half of them wouldn't even know I wasn't here. Because they don't see, they all set up in first class and they get the good seats. The coaches sit in the, in the, you know, the cabin seats. And so a lot of times they don't even know if, I'm sure they know, but they don't even see me on the plane. <clears throat> Some of those knuckleheads probably didn't even know I wasn't there. They probably just thought, hey, he must have missed dinner last night or something. But that's the first time that's happened for me in 15 years. I just, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity like that when they're seniors. Yeah, that was a great answer there from Mike Gundy. He, he certainly uh, doesn't have anyone to answer to, but that was a great answer about, you, you know, first off, family is important, and you should not sacrifice moments with your family, special moments like watching Gunnar Gundy in his last couple of high school football games, especially when the work that Mike Gundy was missing – I mean, he told us right there, they get on a plane, they get there, they have dinner, and they go to bed. They've done all their work. All the work's put in. The walkthroughs are put in. The film work's put in. Practice is over. You're not missing anything important. I mean, you know, he said half the guys probably didn't even notice that I wasn't there. The other coaches can handle it. The players, yeah, they're kids. They're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. You know what? They're grown men. They're responsible enough to get themselves in bed and be ready to play football. And they were 
Oklahoma State, I didn't think, missed a beat on Saturday. I thought they played well against West Virginia. I know a lot of people thought it was sloppy. It was a road game against a better team than what the season and the record have indicated because they switched from the wrong quarterback to the right quarterback after nine games, uh, which I'm sure Neil Brown is now having to answer for in Morgantown. But Oklahoma State played well on Saturday, got the job done, uh, and Mike Gundy was able to see Gunnar Gundy play one of his final high school games. Probably won't be able to see him play much in college. One, because in college you play on Saturdays, as does Oklahoma State. So maybe once a year, whenever Oklahoma State's bye week falls on Gunnar Gundy's collegiate game, uh, Mike Gundy can go watch him play. But uh, it was a great win for Stillwater as well. They'll face Bixby in the state championship game. There were really only two teams in 6A2 this year. It was Stillwater and Bixby, uh, each just steamrolling every one of their opponents all season. So it'll be a great state championship game, and that's not this Friday. That's the following Friday. I actually have somewhere to be that night, which is a shame because I would love to be at Stillwater-Bixby. It's going to be a phenomenal state championship game uh, with Gunner Gunny. Gunnar Gundy and Anthony Bland and Quantrell Walker and those guys. I watched them last year uh, when I was on the Southmore broadcast, and they are pretty phenomenal. Uh, and Bixby is just as good on the other side. So that's going to be a great game. I'm sure Mike Gundy will be at that one as well. So uh, good for Mike Gundy for sticking around. Also, I think it's kind of a fake narrative of people being upset. I think some people are upset that people are upset about it. Well, stop looking for reasons to be upset. Has anyone actually seen anyone who's upset that Mike Gundy stuck around? Because everything that I've seen has been good for Coach Gundy for putting family first. Absolutely love it. That's all that I've seen. And yet, I, I keep hearing people say, well, here's Mike Gundy to all the people who thought that you, you know he should have gone and been with the team on Friday night. I don't think anyone's actually saying that. So stop looking for a reason to be angry. Calm down. It's okay. Wasn't a big deal that he wasn't there on Friday night. Uh, let's take a break. Come back on the other side. Got a lot to get to in the final segment. Uh, a little more football. Taking a look around the Big 12, around the country at some of the biggest games from Saturday. Uh, some of those with huge college football playoff implications. Also, we'll take a look at Oklahoma State basketball, soccer as well, and uh, get things wrapped up here on a Monday. This is Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes. On the Monday of Bedlam Week, Mike Gundy will take to the podium here in just a little bit. And I'll have that all broken down for you tomorrow here on Locked on Pokes. On Wednesday, we'll go inside the numbers, take a look at Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and then continue to preview Bedlam on Thursday and Friday. Big basketball game in the middle of this week. Oklahoma State against Syracuse as well in Brooklyn. So uh, we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. I want to wrap up football talk, taking a look around the Big 12 and around the country, some of the biggest games from this weekend. In the Big 12, Kansas State took down Texas Tech 30 to 27 in uh, in Lubbock on Saturday. Texas Tech was actually a small favorite in that game, so it was a good road win for Kansas State. Iowa State 
eked past Kansas uh, with a couple of late scores in the fourth quarter to win 41-31. to Kansas had a real chance to win that game with about seven, eight minutes left, and Iowa State pulled away late. So Kansas has really been able to compete with some teams this year in the Big 12. Uh, shows just how well Oklahoma State's defense is playing that Kansas, uh, you know, put 48 up on Texas and 37 up on a, in a win against Tech, 31 up against Iowa State, really moving the ball against all those teams. And Oklahoma State, until they pulled their starters, were pitching a shutout and Kansas couldn't get the ball across midfield. So Oklahoma State's defense has been phenomenal. Oh, baby, the fighting Tom Hermans. First off, Tom Herman is an absolute freaking moron for what he did before that game, taking his head and slamming it into one of his players' helmets to fire up his team. Uh, maybe all he did was knock himself and his team senseless as they went out and got steamrolled by Baylor 24-10, to and the only touchdown Texas scored I think they scored with six seconds left. That was the only touchdown they got. It was an absolute disaster. And it'll be really interesting to see if Texas has the same energy with Tom Herman that they had with Charlie Strong. Because remember, they were real happy to run Charlie Strong out of town real quick whenever things went south. Things are going really south with Tom Herman. And, and I've been a Texas defender this year because they were decimated by injuries. But, but that's not what happened on Saturday. Yes, Colin Johnson was out, but they went out and they got dominated by a Baylor team coming off a bad loss. It, it was really rough from Texas, and Tom Herman is just making himself look like an idiot. The arrogance factor, he, he's just a tough guy to deal with, so it'll be really interesting. I, I think he sticks around. It's a big buyout. I think that they're tired of having a revolving door of coaches, so maybe they give him another year to turn this thing around. But Texas has really turned into a laughing stock, and if you take their results and you put it on a team that doesn't have a helmet logo, on a team that doesn't pull in $220 million a year, then they're just a bunch of nobodies. They're absolutely a bunch of nobodies. So uh, rough season again for Texas. Uh, Oklahoma State, of course, took care of business against West Virginia. And then in the night game, Oklahoma jumped out to a quick 21-0 lead against TCU, at which point it seemed like, okay, OU's going to run away with it. This is kind of what OU is supposed to look like, and uh, we're off and running. That was not the case. Oklahoma, from the time they got up 21-0, were outscored 24-7 the rest of the game. Uh, there was a, a review late in the game. Look, I, I thought Max Duggan had the – pardon me. I thought Jalen Hurts was stopped shy of getting the first down. It was ruled first down on the field. They did not have an angle going right down the line. It was a big pile of bodies. H how do you really know if he had it? Uh, you know, I thought he was short, but I knew they weren't going to overturn it. it. It's just one of those things uh, where whatever was called on the field is going to stick around. Jalen Hurts, uh, I think over the past couple weeks, has firmly moved himself – behind uh, pardon me I've got some uh, audio there playing on the internet uh, I think Jalen Hurts has firmly moved behind uh, Joe Burrow Justin Fields and Chuba Hubbard in the Heisman race uh, I think Jalen Hurts is, is a solid four he has kind of turned into a turnover machine who uh, you know on Saturday did not throw the ball very well 11 of 21 145 yards two touchdowns and a pick he put the ball on the ground again twice 
uh, going into the end zone, and then the one where he just had it taken right out of his hands as he was spun down. He did have 28 carries for 173 yards, so he's running the ball incredibly well, but he's turned into a bit of a turnover machine, uh, struggling to hang on to the football. So I think he has firmly planted himself at fourth in the Heisman race behind Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, now, of course, with Jalen Hurts and Chuba Hubbard squaring off this weekend, if he has a big game and OU wins, then he will probably pass Chuba Hubbard once again if Oklahoma State takes that fourth loss because, of course, wins and losses do matter in the Heisman race no matter how much anyone thinks they should or shouldn't. Uh, elsewhere around the country, number one and number two in the country, LSU and Ohio State take care of business. Uh, Ohio State gets business done 28-17 to over Penn State. Uh, so Ohio State continues to look like a great team. Georgia wins 19-13 to over Texas A&M. Close game between those two. Uh, Alabama 66-3 with no Tua. Of course, they were playing Western Carolina in the SEC's uh, basically November bye week. But the big game of the weekend, and this has huge college football playoff ramifications, was Arizona State taking down Oregon 31-28. to So Oregon now has been eliminated from college football playoff contention. So what this does is it swings the door wide open for OU to get back into the college football playoff because if Oregon now turns around and beats Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, then they will both have two losses. Boom, they're both out. If LSU beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, Georgia has two losses. Boom, Georgia's out. All of a sudden, OU would somewhat by default, as long as they don't put Alabama in, if they win the Iron Bowl, then OU would somewhat by default move up into that fourth position and have to face either LSU or Ohio State in the first round of the college football playoff. Uh, That's pretty much the only important games that took place in the top 25 on Saturday. Maybe USC over UCLA because USC staying in the top 25 will help Utah's case at the playoff. So, uh, good day of college football on Saturday, and there will be it will be a great day, a uh, couple of days actually of college football this week. As with Thanksgiving being on Thursday, we will have uh, some great college football on Friday, and then of course on Saturday as well. And I love that Bedlam is a night game. Love, love, love it. I'll watch the eleven o'clock games. Head up to Stillwater and uh, get ready for a great Bedlam matchup. Uh, All right, Oklahoma State got it done on Friday night against Western Michigan, but it was not easy and it was not pretty. Oklahoma State wins that game 70 to 63 over now a 4 and 2 Western Michigan squad. Oklahoma State led by only a point at halftime and had to pull away late. The free throw shooting is becoming a real problem for the Cowboys. 15 of 24, they shoot 62.5% on Friday night against Western Michigan and it, it has not cost Oklahoma State a game yet because Oklahoma State has not played a good enough opponent for it to cost them a game yet, but it will at some point. Oklahoma State plays Syracuse on Wednesday, a good Syracuse team that's 4-1. and one. It's only loss of the season in the opener to a really good Virginia team. So uh, Oklahoma State continues to, to not really shoot the ball very well. Thomas DeZagua was 2-7 of seven from 3 on Friday night. He's had one good game out of 5. I mean, he, he was a flamethrower against College of Charleston. Uh, the, re- the rest of the season, he has not shot the ball particularly well. Lindy Waters was 2 of 10 from the floor on Friday night. He had only 9 points. 
Yoranay was actually the leading scorer, and he had a huge game. He's the reason Oklahoma State won the game. He had 13 points, 12 rebounds, 5 blocks. Uh, Yoranay was big in that game. Interestingly enough, the rotation slimmed down a little bit. No Caleb Boone on Friday night. Keelan played 11 minutes. Uh, bench scoring was actually pretty good. Got 22 points from the bench, led by Avery Anderson, who played 16 minutes and had 8 points. So uh, it was good that Oklahoma State pulled it out in the end, but you would like not to struggle that much with Western Michigan. Uh, certainly the game on Wednesday against Syracuse will be a big-time challenge. Uh, Syracuse won by 50 the other day against Bucknell, I think. And Bucknell, certainly a better program anyway than Western Michigan. So Oklahoma State will have its handful on Wednesday with Syracuse. Uh, also, shout-out to Colin Carmichael and the women's soccer team on a great season. They were taken down 3-1 to one by Santa Clara on Friday out in L.A. It was a phenomenal season for the Cowgirls. Uh, they were picked 7th in the conference prior to the season. They won the Big 12 regular season title won a game in the NCAA tournament. So congratulations to them. Job well done on a great season. Uh, But it is now over, as is Monday's edition of Locked on Pokes. We hear from Mike Gundy tomorrow inside the numbers on Wednesday. No show Thursday. It is Thanksgiving. Friday, I will have a show previewing Bedlam for you one last time. It is Bedlam Week. Send me all your best trash talk, whatever you've got on Twitter, at Colby J. Powell, at Locked on Pokes. Thanks for being with me once again for another edition of Locked on Pokes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.